Hello, my name is David Maguire and welcome to another UK Financial Intelligence Unit podcast. These podcasts are aimed at all stakeholders in the Suspicious Activity Reports regime. So that's SAR reporters, law enforcement agencies, supervisors, regulators, trade bodies and other relevant partners. In this podcast we'll be hearing from law enforcement and getting their views on what, in their opinion, makes a good quality SAR their thoughts on the value of such financial intelligence and what reporters could be doing to help maximise benefit to law enforcement. No active or sensitive operational work is discussed. These podcasts are educational, offering guidance and different perspectives on the SARS regime. Opinions expressed by guest speakers are independently theirs and do not necessarily reflect the views of the National Crime Agency or the UK FIU. Our guests today are Lyndon James, a Detective Inspector with the North West Regional Organised Crime Unit, Alex McWilliams, a Financial Investigator with the Police Service of Northern Ireland, and Matthew Clark, a Senior Investigating Officer with Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. OK, welcome everyone. So, SARS are a critical intelligence resource for tackling all criminality. They contain personal details that can assist in ongoing operations, for instance, names, addresses, telephone numbers, bank accounts. They can provide immediate opportunities to stop crime and arrest offenders, and they can also help safeguard vulnerable members of society. But let's hear direct from our panellists on their thoughts on the value of SARS. Lyndon, if I can turn to you first. My feelings are that the importance of SARS are best illustrated by the fact they provide an ability to report and then intervene on matters with such a wide range of impacts, all the way from a vulnerable member of society being defrauded for their life savings, thinking that they're investing in something that doesn't exist or a romance fraud or something like that, through to those million pounds Ponzi schemes that swallow up uh, people's pensions in huge numbers. I completely subscribe to the importance of SARS. Um, and I think the reason for that is that as the financial world has become more complex, and with ever more diverse means for transferring money or, or assets of value, it can be a really difficult task for law enforcement uh, agents to try and keep up with that shifting uh, picture. Um, what the SARS system does is it, it almost takes account of the fact that the people who work within industries like cryptocurrency and other recent financial developments, they're often the people who are best placed to flag up concerns about their customers um, without that reporting interface between the private business uh, and law enforcement um, that the SARS system actually represents, we'd only be aware of a far smaller section of financial crime and vulnerability. Uh, and it's likely we'd find that information out at a much later date uh, when more financial harm had been done to those individuals, companies, and even the UK economy. Thanks, Lyndon. And Alex, what do you find most useful about SAR intelligence? do like to see the little nuggets of information, uh, such as the contact details, the landline, the mobile phone numbers and the email addresses. This can be very helpful. Perhaps maybe the suspicious activity that's been reported on may not be sufficient for us maybe to react, but it may be on an individual uh, and this particular information contained within SARS when it is there, uh, the, the, such as email addresses and mobile numbers can be very, very helpful. So as law enforcement agencies, 
What kind of information specifically are you all looking for in SARS to assist in your investigations? Being a regional unit, we tend to get most of our suspicious activity reports for ongoing uh, ACE cases, so your, uh, your confiscation uh, order revisits. Um, but we also have quite a rich seam of SARS coming in um, with potential account freezing order opportunities. Um, and that's those two sources exist because we've increased our presence and activity in both ACE and AFO work um, over the last 12 to 18 months. Thanks, Lyndon. And just to clarify those acronyms, ACE, A-C-E, refers to Asset Confiscation Enforcement, which aims to maximise the enforcement of confiscation orders, and AFOs relate to account freezing orders, and these are civil orders enabling a bank or building society account to be frozen for the funds to be investigated. Alex, same question, but obviously from PSNI's perspective. With each fast-track SAR from the UK FIU, it gets our immediate attention. It would go, like consent SARs, uh, to the top of uh, our priority list and to-do list. We dedicate a, a member of the Economic Crime Unit uh, who is tasked to make contact with the victim by phone uh, to provide safeguarding advice. And if the victim wishes to disclose a crime, it is noticed. Uh, noted on the operational log and would be tossed back to ourselves in the uh, assessments and outcome team for review of taking that matter forward. And during this particular situation, we have dealt with a number of SARS related to vulnerable victims that have produced investigations. Thank you, Alex. And by fast-track SARS, Alex is referring there to the fact that the SARS regime allows for the identification of members of the public who are vulnerable or likely to become vulnerable to financial crime, which the UKFIU identifies through daily keyword searches so that such SARS can be fast-tracked to law enforcement to take action. Matthew, in your opinion, what could reporters be doing to maximise the benefits of SAR intelligence for law enforcement agencies? From a law enforcer's perspective, seeking to maximise the value of SARS-derived information, I suppose my overarching comment to reporters is to focus on the accuracy and equally important completeness of your data and the quality of content. And the accuracy and completeness is especially relevant for the purposes of our clashing your information with information that we, as both a law enforcement agency, in particular to HMRC as a revenue collector, would hold in respect of the taxpaying community. I suppose for the reporter when drafting a SAR is to consider matters such as its visual layout and the structure of the content. And it can be as, as basic as the use of paragraphs, the way you set out numerical data, for example, if detailing credits and debits, to separate those from textual commentary, even things such as grammar and punctuation. It may seem very simple, but it is hugely relevant for the purposes of when ultimately will the recipient of when reading the report for the first time, be able to quickly assess the reason for the report and pour out the salient detail. 
and especially when seeking a defence against money laundering, is to set out the context at the very start. If, for example, the contextual content of the SAR is two, three pages long, certainly for the reader being able to quickly see, ideally at the start, the purpose and the monetary value of the DAML, the reasons for suspicion, followed by then the contextual detail in support, would be of great assistance to the law enforcement community. Thanks, Matthew. That's really useful. And the same question for Lyndon, please. In terms of what information I'm looking for in, in a SAR, I would say the simpler the reporter can make it, the better. Uh, as an investigator, you want to be able to accurately understand the reporter's general concerns and to be able to do that as quickly as possible. So the best ones I've seen spell out the reporter's suspicion um, and they then give a snapshot or summary view of what has given rise to that suspicion. Um, and I think that reflects the fact that law enforcement and agencies that use SARS, they're hardwired to respond to succinct crime reports and intelligence reports. So the SARS that fit that profile are much more likely to result in timely and effective intervention. And Lyndon, what about the way that the reporter relays that information across to you in the SARS? It's key for reporters not to assume that the person who reads that report has the same skill set or experience as them. So even if they think something is obvious when they see it and they report it through the SARS mechanism, that may be because as a reporter, they're looking at a complete set of data that the reviewer won't have access to in a SARS snapshot. Um, the reporter also has to factor in that SARS compete with other intelligence and crime reports for attention in the agencies and, and law enforcement um, regions and forces. So if, as the reviewer of that SAR or the receiver of that SAR, you're presented with pages and pages uh, or a block of text describing individual faster payments rather than what is the suspicion and what is the evidence, the summary of the evidence that backs that up, a, review, a reviewer may well be less likely to understand the significance of the report um, and may spend less time on it than one that is structured more helpfully. Um, and the result of that might be that all that work that went into that longer SAR actually receives less attention purely because of the comparative effectiveness of the way in which it's been communicated. I would say that drawing the links to open source crime reports, if they exist, uh, you know, on the likes of uh, daily newspapers um, that you can then, the, the reporter can, can check back on because they're all saved on the internet, um, but also providing that concise summary of why or how the customer's financial activity is out of context with the expected profile when they open their account. That enables law enforcement to both efficiently and effectively assess the risk that that individual SAR represents. And they can also then measure that and see how it fits in against their force, their agency or their regional priorities and decide on the appropriate actions, what level of resources can be put into it, whether it's something that's going to result in arrests or is it something that needs um, a review of the structures that have enabled that person to open that account and exploit the financial system, some kind of prevent um, or protect uh, review to improve the robustness of the system and stop that happening again. So I, I think if those two areas are, are, are there at the start of it, the law enforcement intervention 
is routed down the correct way right at the start and you don't lose time and resources investigating things that possibly could have been made clearer at that initial stage. That's great, thank you. So, Alex, is there anything reporters could be doing to assist PSNI in their submissions? Well, I think the information that's contained in SARS currently is very, very good. I prefer to look at SARS currently via MoneyWeb, but I do like the fact that ARENA produces the reason for reporting at the top uh, and uh, not after a lot of transaction details. Um, the, the reason for reporting also, I would like to see it paragraphed and laid out in a more readable fashion. But what is missing usually is the current balance on the account. And I feel that this is an important fact that is often overlooked. And certainly the, the, the detail uh, that's held within the SARS are excellent, but the current balance on the account is frequently absent. And I would, I would like to see that improved, that it would be uh, displayed more frequently. Thanks for that, Alex. And for the benefit of our non-law enforcement listeners, MoneyWeb is the online portal through which end users, that's accredited law enforcement officers, access the SARS database. And Arena is a search and analysis tool for SAR end users. And finally, that same question to Matthew, please. As a law enforcement officer, perhaps a degree cliche, but the answer is actually quite simple. Who, what, why, when, where, how? And in effect, the essence of what all law enforcement practitioners are looking for. I suppose for me, the underlying message to reporters is clear. If the prevailing circumstances that you see raise suspicion of money laundering, report it. But the legal purpose of a SAR is to report suspicion of money laundering and or terrorist financing. Reporters' commentary regarding their own assessment of underlying criminal activity, whether that's tax evasion, drugs trafficking, corruption and bribery, and with it the, uh, the application, the use of the SAR glossary code, is, is wholly valid and indeed, and quite rightly so, promoted as good practice. However, we should collectively remember that money laundering and terrorist financing are criminal offences in their own right. And it is important that reporters focus attention on articulating the suspicion around money laundering and terrorist finance. Excellent. Thank you all very much for that. I think it's been a really useful and enlightening discussion. As evidenced, SARS provide information and intelligence from the private sector that would otherwise not be visible to law enforcement. Even if no criminal investigation is conducted, a SAR may still have information that contributes to painting a picture on current trends or patterns, and this helps reporters and law enforcement to plan and prevent against new crime trends. It's also worth remembering that a single SAR may be used several times by several different users for several different purposes. For instance, the information within the same SAR may inform HMRC about taxation, local police about fraud or theft, and the government department about a regulatory issue or a weakness in a financial product. And as we've heard from our panellists, the value of SARS is wide-ranging and can be used to tackle all criminality. For instance, SAR intelligence has been instrumental in locating serious sex offenders, showing the movement of young women being trafficked into the UK, and also helping to track down wanted individuals. 
So all that's left for me to do is to thank our guests today, that's Lyndon James, Alex McWilliams and Matthew Clark for their contributions. And don't forget you can provide us with feedback and suggestions for future topics at our email address, ukfiufeedback at nca.gov.uk or via our Twitter page, which is where we will also announce future podcasts, webinars and communication products. There's also a lot of pertinent guidance and information on the UKFIU pages of the NCA website, where you'll also find copies of the UKFIU magazine, the next edition of which will be focused entirely on law enforcement perspectives of the SARS regime. So, until next time, I've been David Maguire, and this has been a UKFIU podcast. UK Financial Intelligence Unit Podcast.